Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Finally getting some OTA reports. We got the Bears locking that down like usual, but today the media was allowed and. Uh, well, in the words of Steve Smith, Andy Dalton was out there throwing nickels while Justin Fields is throwing dimes. Good evening and welcome into the Believe in Monsters podcast. Another wonderful off-season episode we got ready for you today, and I'm super excited to be joined by my friend Lucas Berry, as always, my co-host Lucas Berry, who does all the heavy lifting and uh, all the legwork for this podcast. And Lucas, uh, I'd like to, uh, before we get into tonight's episode, I'd like to commend you for your legwork, because what you've done is you've gone out and found the spiciest headline on the internet, and you said, who wrote that piece? about our man Justin Fields and uh you went out and got did the legwork and you found our friend Tej from pro, pro football uh, pro football focus and we're excited to, do, to welcome Tej in on the one call technology business hotline to talk about his latest piece of uh why Justin Fields is uh was the most accurate quarterback in pro football focus's history in the college area so before we bring in Tej on the one call business t- uh, hotline I want to welcome in Lucas Berry. Lucas, it's been a week, man. How you been? Dude, another week is in the books. Time is uh, flying by here. Uh, but we're every week that goes by is another week. We're getting closer to the season, under 100 days now. Uh, finally getting some OTA reports. We got the Bears locking that down like usual. But today the media was allowed. And, uh, well, in the words of Steve Smith, Andy Dalton was out there throwing nickels while Justin Fields was throwing dimes. Uh, Dalton throws three picks and seven on sevens. I don't know how you do that. Um, and, and then nothing but good things come out about Justin Fields. Uh, you know, Darnell Mooney saying he's running down the field, smiling, catching some deep balls from him. Uh, the players love him. He's making adjustments in the huddle. So nothing but good news on Justin Fields. And you can tell Nagy's stoked. Uh, again, I will uh, double down on my take that this man will be starting week one and Andy Dalton will be riding the pine. Uh, but we're going to get into Justin Fields for most of this episode. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's have our guest take it away. Tej, uh, welcome in, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, feel free to give the audience a little bit introduction about yourself uh, before we get started here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Lucas, show thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to uh, talk about Justin Fields with you guys. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going to be a junior at the University of Michigan uh, this fall, and then before I start, yeah, go blue. And then before I start, I'm interning for Pro Football Focus PFF right now, um, which is which is where the the Justin Fields article came from. Chase, how long have you been with PFF interning with them? So I started uh, about a month ago, and I've just been working on various projects. And this was one that was that was passionate to me to uh, to talk about Fields and and how good he was in college. 
This is some groundbreaking news because this is not only coming from a Detroit Lions fan, but also someone who's attending the uh, University of Michigan. So uh, two of Fields' now biggest rivals, and he's here to, to talk glowingly about him. So uh, that, that's great to hear. Uh, Joe, what, what were you about to say there before I cut you off so rudely? I, I want to just uh, – you've been there about a month. You, you, you expressed to us off, off the air that you have liked Justin Fields for a while, just the way he plays. He's electric and exciting. Was this a project that you took on yourself, or maybe was this uh, – I'm not quite sure the ins and outs of how uh, PFF works and, and hands out their assignments, but uh, was this something that you uh, you felt passionate about and wanted to uh, dig into to Justin Fields' accuracy, or maybe was this something that was just kind of on uh, – you know, handed down to you? Yeah, so the I originally started off not even looking specifically for fields. I just wanted to make a college completion percentage over expected because when you look at a lot of stats leading up to the draft, completion percentage is often used. But if someone is just throwing screens and five-yard passes and stuff like that, their completion percentage is always going to be higher than someone who's more aggressive. So that's where completion percentage over expected comes into play. It takes into account uh, how deep the pass is, where the pass is going to on the field and whether or not the quarterback was pressured. And then it determines whether or not, or the expected completion percentage of a pass and then gives the quarterback credit or no credit, whether or not they completed the pass. And so when I made it, uh, just to like check priors, field showed up really, really high in the metric. And that, that made me really excited because I had watched him in college and knew how accurate he was. And so him being first by a pretty decent margin in um, CPOE was was really promising results. Yeah. So when you're talking about so quarterbacks who throw, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of screens and checkdowns and stuff like that, is that something that uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence would fit into more? You know, you see him do a lot of that at Clemson, and is that why he was lower on this list? Yeah. So um, out of all the first round quarterbacks that have been taken since 2014, which is when uh, PFF started charting college games. Trevor Lawrence was 12th out of the 23 quarterbacks um, when it comes to CPOE and, and Fields was first, as I mentioned before. And so, yeah, I do, I do think a lot of it was just Trevor Lawrence being in a more rigid offensive scheme than Ryan Day ran at Ohio State or Zach Wilson saw at BYU um, or uh, Mac Jones saw it at Alabama. And I also think part of it was Trevor Lawrence was able to coast through the ACC much easier than um, Mac Jones playing an SEC schedule or Fields playing some of those good Big Ten defenses that he did his, his last year there. You, you, you talk about uh, the expected completion percentage, and you talk about uh, we, Lucas and I were kind of talking prior to the episode about I want to I want to understand. You know, obviously, if you're th- you, 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 your example was a screen, but if you're throwing a ten-yard hitch, that's a pretty basic route versus down the field route. How do you, uh, you know, with this metric, is one thing that we can deduce from Fields being uh, at the top of this list? Is one thing that we can deduce that he's an extremely aggressive player? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's it's not so much that he's extremely aggressive. It's just when he's. Uh, making passes to areas of the field that other college quarterbacks throw to, he can do it on average at a clip that's 12% better than the average quarterback, which is the best we've seen in the, in the college era. So 
um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a combination of him both being able to throw a beautiful deep ball that we saw on that Saturday night against Clemson in the college football playoff where he was just throwing moon balls perfectly into Alave's hands um, to, to have five or six touchdowns against him. And then it's, it's a combination of him just being super accurate, even on those 10-yard hitches that not all college quarterbacks can complete. He's able to complete those at a higher rate. Yeah, so with the uh, – I know you were saying how the uh, CPOE is – in the article, at least you described this as kind of a more accurate way than uh, the, the EPA, which is the expected points added. Um, could you just dive into that a little bit more and, and tell us why you like the CPOE metric better than uh, ex- expected points added per play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, – you know the the quarterback with the highest EPA per play of um, of the of the era that we've been talking about was Mac Jones, but I don't think anyone would consider Mac Jones the greatest college quarterback that we've seen in the last couple of years. I just think he was put in a great offensive scheme and throwing to a bunch of first round wide receivers and stuff like that. So that's where that's where EPA per play can kind of be skewed in college. In the NFL, EPA per play is a, a pretty good metric for the first part. Obviously, there's there's some schemes that that can prop up quarterbacks and some wide receivers that can prop up quarterbacks. But in college, uh, EPA per play is just a little bit tougher to evaluate quarterbacks because of the huge diversity of scheme and and talent levels. So that's why CPOE is a lot better because it's evaluating what you're doing throwing to the wide receiver and not what happens after. So when when Fields is when Fields is just it's in his control to throw to. Uh, his wide receivers while Mac Jones could be throwing to Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle and they end up breaking off for a 30, 40 yard yards after the catch. And that's propping up his EPA per play. So that's why I thought CPOE was better because it was more stable year to year when your supporting cash changes than EPA per play. And it was just a better metric at predicting NFL performance. If you say it's a better metric uh, for, for, for uh, predicting NFL performance, then why have we not uh, seen you, you? You put a graph later in the article uh, that, that displays Trevor Lawrence being pretty much the, the lowest one out of, the, out of the guys in the top in the first round. Why are we not seeing uh, NFL teams adopt uh, adopt this wide range? You've got Justin Justin Fields was obviously at the top of your of your graph. Uh, but he fell to number 11, and what was he, the fourth quarterback selected? Uh, so explain, uh, are our teams just not quite c- c- catching up to to your technology or to the, to the analytics, or is there something else at play that you might uh, think be going on? Yeah, I mean, so much of the draft is, like, not numbers-based. It's It's a lot of what you see just on film and when you're watching. And Trevor Lawrence has been anointed as the number one pick uh, ever since he was he was basically a senior in high school, and then what he did his freshman year against Alabama in the national championship. So, I, again, like I mentioned earlier, I I don't know if, if Trevor Lawrence was pedal to the metal the the whole season, and and that's why he showed up. Um, he didn't show up poorly in these metrics, but compared to the other first round quarterbacks, he showed up uh, last. You know, when when Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields all had great. 2020 seasons and Trevor Lawrence was kind of just above average, but not exceptional. Uh, but you know, he Lawrence has all the, all the traits to succeed at the next level. Um, I, I just don't know if he was completely 
locked in every game when Clemson was going up against opponents they could beat, like Boston College, pretty easily and stuff. I got gotcha. you. Sure. Um, so just kind of going off what Joe said, um, just looking at your CPOE chart of uh, you know the first round quarterbacks taken um, since uh, you know the 2015 draft. Um, you know you have Deshaun Watson there at 13. Uh, obviously, we talked about Trevor Lawrence at 12. You have Josh Allen at 16, and Patrick Mahomes at 17. Um, so just focusing more on Patrick Mahomes, who has a three percent CPOE. What do you think translated to his NFL success? Uh, even though he's kind of middle of the road in terms of CP, his college CPOE there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the quarterbacks that um, that didn't have exceptional college CPOEs but ended up translating to the NFL were either very athletic like Lamar Jackson uh, or had those big arms that, uh, you know, prop up so many people's draft positions like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Because when, when Allen and Mahomes were drafted – they were drafted based off potential and not like their college production. Uh, and so when you, when you are looking at it, like Mahomes took a year to develop, he learned from Alex Smith. He learned from Andy Reed. Uh, Josh Allen took two years to develop. He was, he was bad his first two years. And then he really turned it around his, his third year. So that's, that's some of the reasons that I think that they showed up low in college CPOE, but ended up doing well in the NFL. So is there, to follow up on that, is there something you could combine with uh, kind of CPOE to, to try and correlate NFL success to that? I mean, you know, you were just talking about some of the traits those guys had. Um, so Justin Fields has a very high CPOE, but as we just alluded to, that's not always a great indicator of, you know, immediate NFL success. So is there any other metrics you can use to say, you know, Justin Fields will most likely be, obviously there's nothing that can predict that, but is there any other things you can look at besides CPOE to say Justin Fields will be a very good NFL quarterback? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so tough to, um, to predict college to NFL performance at any position. Uh, That's why, you know, we've, we've seen draft picks become less valuable the last couple of years with the, with the Rams being the, the poster team for that. But, um, we, we also have an index that combines uh, their PFF grade, their CPOE, and their, their EPA per play. And Fields showed up um, top five for that also. Uh, Baker was, was number one in that index. And that still doesn't do a great job of, of translating to the NFL. I don't know if, if there's any metric that can perfectly predict NFL performance. Um, because like, like, like we said, like, Mahomes had the big arm. He was developed. But like you also have someone like Jamarcus Russell, who's in the same situation, but wasn't able to develop and was a bust and went number one overall. So it's just it's just really hard to predict NFL performance. We're just trying to create metrics that give us a better idea idea of what will translate to the NFL. So I want to get some clarity on that metric, uh, just going back to just what CPOE is. Um, you, you, you mentioned uh, how, it, how it differs from EPA and how, you know, Mac Jones throws to Devontae Smith and he rips off a large gain that it jacks up the EPA. But you, 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 you talked a little bit 
in the beginning that uh, it was not dependent on the wide receivers. So if in Justin Fields' case, when he's playing North uh, Northwestern and, and, and without any of his top receivers and he gets high marks, do, does it matter if the pass is completed or it's just about where the ball placement is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what it does basically is it gives an expected completion percentage for the average quarterback based on their pass depth uh, their width, like the, the width of the, of, of the throw. And then the, um, the, uh, whether or not they're pressured. So what would the average quarterback do in this situation? Let's say it's like uh, a 15 yard, uh, out route uh, across the sideline and there's no pressure. So that that's like a 60% expected completion percentage. If fields completes that pass, then he gets a plus 40% for that play. So that's how okay. the completion percentage over expected works. Okay. So it's not, so it is dependent on the, on the wide receiver just a little bit. Uh, yep. So even when he's, he's playing uh, Northwestern without his wide receivers, uh, and I believe they were out, I believe they didn't have their top three wide receivers that night. And uh, it, a lot of people are, you have used that performance uh, and, Oh, look, he barely beat Northwestern. He had no good. A lot of people down South, excuse me, <laughs> have used that, uh, that, that he's not, not any good because he barely beat Northwestern. Uh, but I like to point out the, those nuances and in your article, you, you give him credit for what he did in those last four games. Yeah, exactly. I, I mentioned in the article that uh, Benjamin Solak, who who does a lot of the analytics stuff, he uh, he works for the Draft Network, and he put together a cool piece on Fields and how he faced four top fifteen defenses his last four games in college. So that was that was Indiana, Northwestern, Clemson, Alabama, and so um, and Fields was still able to to play well given the circumstances in those games obviously yeah everyone goes back to the northwestern game where it looked like he was playing injured and he was missing his wide receivers um but he you know he played he played exceptional against clemson put up a good amount of points against indiana and then alabama was was a juggernaut that i don't think many people had a chance against so um yeah fields was put through a gauntlet of of 2020 opponents and uh and and he still did pretty well given everything that happened so were you – I'm assuming you guys have looked at the individual CPOEs for those specific games. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, in his – in those in those final four games, he had a, he had a slight dip in, in CPOE. I think it went from uh, the, the 12%, 13% that he usually gets to about 6 or 7%. Still pretty so that, impressive. That, that would still the, that would still put him between eight and nine on that list. So he would still be top ten on that list. Um, yeah, if that for sure. if that were over a full season and playing those elite defenses, obviously that's impressive. So um, that's that's definitely good to know and something I was curious about when I was uh, reading this. Um, something that kind of stood out to me on the CPOE graph was that. Even though just looking at CPOE and not EPA, uh, it looked like Zach Wilson and Mac Jones both were fairly high on that list. You know, not too far behind Fields. Um, is that is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. So um, if we're if we're just talking twenty twenty, Zach Wilson was slightly behind Fields uh, when it when it came to CPOE, and he he deserved it for his his twenty twenty performance. He threw some some great passes. 
but it wasn't that way over over the two year span between 2019 2020 obviously fields kind of was steady over those two years and there was a big improvement there uh with zach wilson and and mac jones yeah exactly wilson had a five percent cpoe in in 2019 which is still still pretty good um he wasn't on the national radar yet until he broke out in 2020 with like 13.5 percent which was which was exceptional so what is you know what does this all mean for Justin Fields and what you expect? Uh, you know we have we, established that he has the highest CPOE since you guys have been tracking uh, college college football, and we've established that it's a great metric to translate success uh, into in the NFL. But you know I want to go back to what Lucas brought up when he was bringing up your your chart of all the first round quarterbacks. He highlights uh, he highlights Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. But I got a big old ugly market number eight right there. Number eight of your on your CPOE list from from 2015 to now is our man Mitchell Trubisky, and uh, we all know what happened with that. So what would this what what do you think this means uh, for Justin Fields specifically? Because we, as we kind of pointed out, it's not a be all end all determination. Yeah, not yeah, not an end all be all uh, metric at all. Um, like I mentioned, it's it's just super hard to predict. NFL or college NFL performance. I think what the Bears are getting in Justin Fields is someone who's accurate and athletic, which are the traits that I would want in an NFL quarterback. And then he also has the ability to throw the deep ball, uh, as we saw multiple times throughout the season against Michigan State, against Clemson. So um, that I, I I feel like that that gives him a high floor. I would have taken him number two overall in in you know this past draft um and then definitely would have taken him number three overall i would have debated between him and zach wilson number two but i just think that that fields athleticism his accuracy um and then his a bit his ability to um to just to just extend plays and, and stuff like that make has all the traits to be an nfl quarterback and then you know, situation will come into play now and, and he can't really control that. Yeah. To, uh, to Joe's point, I also want to point out that I think, uh, and to your point as well, uh, I think intelligence is also a, a big part of that. And that can't really be measured by any sort of metric or, I mean, maybe you can look at interceptions, but mainly just, you know, looking at the guy's decisions, seeing some of his test scores, uh, you know, Fields is insanely smart. And I think that's also a big factor um, that will translate well to the NFL for him um, just because learning offenses and reading defenses at the NFL is just a whole new ball game when, when compared to college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think Fields has all the traits. Um, the, uh, the one read stuff that was happening before the draft, I didn't buy really. And, and Anthony Trash and Benjamin Solak have done research on that and basically debunked it. The um, the only concern I would have with Fields is he does the the Russell Wilson um, thing and the Deshaun Watson thing where he he holds onto the ball and tries to be too much of a hero sometimes. Um, his his when he was blitzed in college, his time to throw was three three like three point zero eight seconds, which was the highest. Way too long. That we measured, yeah, which is yeah, too long. 
Yeah, he kind of also, uh, I see some people allude to it. He kind of has that long striding baseball throw, um, which, I mean, we've seen guys like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray success uh, succeed with that in the NFL. I mean, they're just, they're ex-baseball players. It's just kind of what they do. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that. But like you said, just uh, needs to have the the quick trigger and uh, not try and play too much hero ball, especially as he's starting to get, get a footing in the league. But um, there obviously is a lot to be excited about with Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, obviously, with, with with every article that gets put out, uh, it gets edited pretty heavily. Uh, so, what are what is something that uh, what is something that didn't make the article that you felt maybe Bears fans need to know, or or, or might be important to the Justin Fields story that just was unable to get in uh, for editing's sake? Uh, something that something that didn't make the article that um, that I I want I really wanted to include, but there was just there were so many graphs already that I wasn't able to show it was. It was a. It was kind of like a. Um, it was a scatter plot by season, where each college quarterback who had like a minimum of like two hundred passes, uh, had like a, a little a little black dot that like showed their their CPOE, and then you could see Fields's two like twenty nineteen and twenty twenty seasons that I highlighted like all the way at the top of the, the top <laughs> of the graph, um, but. Yeah, that that graph wasn't able to make the article, but that one just got me really excited because it was just it was just so far above everyone else's seasons that it was kind of funny just to see it all the way up there. Well, yeah, like uh, like Lucas was saying, we're very excited. We were really excited to have you on and explain your uh, explain your article. The headline just makes it, it makes it pop for us. Uh, PFF data study: Justin Fields was the most accurate quarterback in the PFF college area area era. Excuse me, era. You can find that on pff.com. I've also tweeted it out from my personal account, and we tweeted it out from our account on Twitter at Monsters Lounge. Make sure you follow us there, and you can read that article and check out all of Todd. Taj's great stuff and his great work. He, I want to make sure you follow Taj at, at MFB Analytics on Twitter. And uh, anything else that you want us to plug for us for you tonight? Thank you for so much for joining us and being on the Believe in Monsters podcast tonight. Yeah, th- yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for plugging all my stuff. I appreciate that, and and thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad we got to do it. And yeah, like we mentioned. I'm- even though I'm a Lions fan, I'll still be rooting for Fields uh, just because I have stake in the game now. Um, so as as long as well, I actually before you get out, before you get out, what was the reaction to the piece? What was it? The general you put it out, and obviously you you, you want to see what the feedback is. What what? How did you feel the reaction was? Yeah, um, I yeah, I thought I thought the reaction was great. It was a lot more than I expected, um, considering it was like my my first article for PFF. I didn't know how much traction it would get, but it was just really cool to see a fan base so excited about something. Um, you know, we're talking about like how this could be the first true franchise quarterback in, in bears history, really, or at least oh, since I've, the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> since I've been alive, at least the, the bears haven't had a true franchise quarterback. Um, and so it was, it was really cool to see how pumped bears fans were about fields uh, like you guys, when we were talking before we started recording, is it going to put some pressure on fields to perform now that, uh, now that everyone's so hyped up about him? Yeah, probably. But you know, that's, that's okay. Like it's, it's the NFL. There's, there's always going to be pressure. Yeah, it definitely comes well, with man, the thank territory. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> And and also you are you are welcome 
Bears Lions week. You're more than welcome to hop on here and uh, and chat it up with us about the Lions. Um, and we are more than happy to have you on uh, whenever you want to come back on. And we're definitely looking forward to more of your content being put out at PFF. Um, and, and then one last thing, you know, as Joe said, uh, you you may not have realized it, but your timing and title and kind of audience was was quite perfect for your first article to get a lot of traction just because bears fans are so starved for that quarterback and they just love any tidbit about their team especially when it's good news so uh you may not have realized it but you pulled the perfect strings uh for your first article to kind of blow up there just because i would say uh, bears fans are a little bit obsessed with their chicago football which is just uh awesome so congrats on that uh, awesome piece and thank you so much for for hopping on with us yeah, thanks. I, I really hope Fields uh, starts week one because I have a little bit of stake in the Rams now, too. I'm a massive Stafford fan, so I really hope he does well over there. And that'll make that Bears-Rams Sunday night football game really, really exciting if it's Stafford versus Fields. Yeah, much better than uh, than uh, Andy Dalton versus uh, Matt Stafford, <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for, for hopping on here with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. All right, and and that was our guest uh, uh, Taj coming on here, uh, talking a little Justin Fields with us. Joseph, what else we got in store for today? What are you uh, excited about in Bears World? Well, I'm excited because you know this kind of leads right into it. Uh, we we just talked about Justin Fields, but you saw it. Did you see what Matt Nagy had to say about our uh, our new QB one today? He said I did. Uh, he uh, displayed, what did he say? He has a tendency to rip your heart out. Yep. Yep. Definitely sounds like he has that killer and, mentality and, in practice. You know, throwing sounds like a lot of he was throwing a lot of dimes on, on deep passes today and, and the players were loving it, like I said earlier. What do you make from uh practice tweets and practice quotes and practice stuff? Because I, you know, honestly, I'm a little bit sour on them. Over the last four years. All we heard was how hard Mitchell worked. Oh, Mitchell's working real hard. Oh, he's getting a grasp of the offense. Oh, he's he's got his handle on things. You know, he's and, and, and all the players coming out in support. Oh, Mitchell's our quarterback, which is exactly what they should be doing. Uh, but it, I've soured on on practice tweets and stuff because I I feel like it's almost a PR campaign. You uh you notice what was going on with the team up north in some of their practice tweets, uh, and, and so I just want to get your thoughts on practice tweets and practice reports and, and fans overreacting or maybe or or maybe properly reacting to to practice reports. Yeah, so I uh, I I'm been pretty vocal about this lately. Um, you know the Bears obviously have their practices and OTAs, you know, heavily guarded. They don't let people in there. You're not allowed to video. You're not allowed to do a lot of things anymore. And in a way, I'm thankful for that. You know, as a fan, I selfishly want all the information I can get. You know, I want the play-by-play analysis of every practice at all times just to know what our guys are up to uh, from a selfish perspective. But in reality, uh, you know, if the player is not performing or or is doing not well in practice, I mean, that is just – it puts so much pressure on them. I mean, a fan base will just implode, uh, you know, frustration, anger, and, and and the whole nine yards. And especially when you have a rookie quarterback back there, that's rough. I mean, we see it with Green Bay. I think the way the fans are uh, just kind of the Jordan Love treatment coming out of there, you know, they're talking about how many picks he throws every day and what he's not doing well. It definitely can't be good for a guy's confidence. I mean, uh, so, 
the fact that the Bears kind of have their stuff locked up is is nice in a way to me. I think, you know, that's their private information and they should be the only ones to kind of know, you know, how these guys are doing. Um, but on the other hand, when when you see reports like this out of OTAs when the media is allowed in, um, I do think there is um, there's a fine line between just, you know, coach speak and uh you know, actual, some of these actual reporters. I mean, if the reporters are there, I don't think they're going to give us untruthful information about Justin Fields being good or bad. You know, if he's bad and he throws six picks, they're going to say Justin Fields threw six picks today. Um, But from everything I've read and read between the lines, Fields has been phenomenal in practice. Um, It just, it, it feels a lot different than the Mitch situation. You know, as you alluded to, Mitch, you were hearing a lot about the work ethic and how good of a person and teammate he was. With Fields, <laughs> dude, with Fields, First you're hearing in, last guy out. With Fields, you're hearing you're hearing about his ball placement and his deep ball and how he's getting guys right in the huddle. I don't recall ever hearing that about Mitch. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the reports on Mitch were just different. Like, the reports on Mitch were truly coach speak reports. Was a guy you'd let your daughter date? Yeah, for sure, he drives. He drives that nice Toyota worker. Camry, man. First but, guy in, last guy out. Underrated athlete. Right, but did you ever hear about him? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm playing a game. No, did you ever? He- no, I'm playing a game because it's, it's all it's all you know code words for hardworking white player. <laughs> you know who's not very good. Uh, it was all code words and code speak of right. know, this guy's trying real hard and yay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I kind of, I kind of get that vibe from Jordan love. I mean, they're just the reports that come out of green Bay are similar to those of Mitchell Trubisky, you know? Oh, he's working hard. He's Matt LaFleur. What did he say? He improved since last off season. Like, yeah, that's really reassuring. Right. Uh, it's you can tell there's a fine line between the coach speak and the, even though it's practice, the performance, like when the coach and the players are speaking about the deep ball, there's something there. Like there's, there's something there with this guy. And the fact that, you know, Dalton had a really bad day. You best believe the pressures on Dalton to go out there and outperform him the next day. And I, I just, I don't think it'll happen. I think fields is going to run away with this thing in camp, man. Well, I love the fact hearing reports of, you know, Darnell Mooney, I'm smiling running routes. When I, when I read that this afternoon, I thought to myself, I wonder how often that happened in the last four years. These, these receivers, as much as a hard worker as Mitchell is, these, these receivers were probably going out running every route thinking F my life, because I don't even know if the guys could throw it over my head behind me and throw me into coverage. Like, but you know, there's a certain, there's a certain confidence uh, that the whole team gets, that the whole team takes on w- when the quarterback is playing well. A hundred percent. And, you know, things are, uh, I think things are looking pretty good uh, for our Chicago Bears, at least this this early in the offseason. Um, you know, the field's talk is obviously heating up. He's the talk of the town. Um, uh, I mean, for me, the uh, my concerns are still like we we've alluded to the past few weeks. My concerns are the offensive line. And our secondary, but seventeen and, and zero, right? And even the pass rush a little bit. I mean, uh, do you think Robert Quinn is going to 
perform this year? Do you think his injury, I mean, this is something we haven't really talked about. Do you think his injury really held him back that much last year? You know, they said he was suffering from drop foot, which is pretty uh, significant of an injury, especially to play through. Um, so I can't really fault the guy for being bad, but I, I mean, do you think he'll actually play meaningful snaps this year? Well, what does uh, the, what's the term for that? What, what's the, it's not a disease. What's the, uh, recovery for drop foot i'm, I'm kind of googling it as we go uh but dude you know i'm not very confident in the pass rush i you know robert quinn they, they dropped a ton of money on that guy and uh, he really would i don't i don't like to be this harsh but he was a waste of space last year honestly he was he was a waste of space out there on the edge last year and hopefully uh that uh hopefully he will recover i'm seeing treatment for drop foot may include may include braces or splints uh, so, so maybe he can get that worked out in the off season and, you know, live up to at least some of that big, big contract. Yes. I mean, there still are, you know, a lot of holes on this, on this bears roster, as I said, you know, pass rush, you know, the depth behind Mac and Quinn, I wouldn't say isn't great. Um, you know, does, do you think Akeem Hicks, does he have a bounce back year? Or do you think he's just on the wrong side of 30 and it's all downhill uh, for, for him here for him? Oh, I gotta, I gotta have confidence in my man Akeem Hicks. I know that, um, yeah. You once you get on that other side, uh, things do start to slow down. Uh, maybe it's just my homerism, uh, but 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 I just I, I love that guy. And, and uh, I, 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 when he was in talks, or when we were in talks of trading for Russell Wilson, and he was one of the names that came up. Oh, uh, that stunk. I, I didn't like that, but but I understood. But like, you gotta give up a good player to get a good player. Right? And uh, you know, Akeem Hicks. If we can get him back to, you know, 17, 18, 19, Akeem Hicks, then, yeah, I'll, I'll be really happy with the defensive line, and that will help Robert Quinn a ton. Uh, you're, you're bringing back Eddie Goldman this year, who was definitely – he was missed last year big time, especially in the run game. Uh, so, but, yeah, you asked about Akeem Hicks. I do think we see him have a bounce back here. I think he wants to go out with the Bears uh, playing well. He's probably might it probably will be you know his last year with with, with us, but he and I, but I think he wants to go out with Bears playing well. Yeah, and then and then another guy I kind of have concern with on the defense as well is uh, Danny Trevathan. I mean, another guy who's just on the downside of his career. Uh, you know, the Bears gave him that extension a few years ago, and he's you know he's here for for the here and now, um, but. Uh, uh, definitely not inspiring confidence in me uh, that he is the player that he once was, uh, you know, early in his tenure in Denver and early in his tenure in Chicago. Yes. To me, he looked a little slow last year and uh, he was lacking in physicality. Uh, so he's going to have to have a bounce back here. He's another one of those guys that, that, that brought to you. You've got to perform. Uh, there's really no other option. If you cut him, you've got a lot of dead, dead money, and you've got a big hole in the middle. Um, that's going to be an area that the Bears are going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to get Roquan some help uh, in the future. That might be one of our, one of our areas of need in the upcoming draft. Yeah, I was just going to say the Bears should start uh, looking for some possible replacement Dose. linebackers to go forward with. Oh. Can you hear me? A thousand percent. Yes, I got you, you. Loud and clear. The, um, oh, oh, you know what? Yeah, loud and clear. You know who they should get? Who the Bears should be looking for next season? 
put him next to put him next to Roquan Smith. Uh, no, this is Homer Joe, but Christian Harris, inside linebacker from Alabama, is a uh, is is a linebacker who will make a lot of money. Now it probably will be gone way before the Bears can select, as we have no first round pick in twenty twenty two, thanks to Justin Fields. But I think that's a, that's a trade I would probably make ten times over. Uh, but I like Christian Harris. I think that he might be a, a potential star uh, inside linebacker up and coming. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit too early for me to start looking into next year's college prospects, but I do agree, uh, you know, some of the areas of need the Bears are going to need to address moving forward. So, um, you know, the there's definitely some holes on the defense, uh, some question marks I have, um, but all three of those guys could just as well prove me wrong and have decent years. I mean, they all, I, I still think, have some left in the tank to offer us. And uh, if the Bears are playing well, I mean, maybe that squeezes the last bit of juice out of them uh, that they may have. Uh, you know, some some guys might tend to give up when the team is bad, but if mm. uh, if they're performing and Justin Fields is, is clicking, uh, you never know. I mean, these guys, you know, they might just give whatever they have left, and and this and this defense might be uh, really successful again. Um, definitely excited to see Sean Desai out there and what he can do for this D. Uh, I mean, if the Bears can field a top 12 defense I, I think they would they're going to be in playoff contention well that, you mentioned it right there the the, the defense's tendency to uh now they'll probably never say this but it looked like a lot of time a handful of times last year uh that they, they quit. kind of uh, they quit they quit yeah they, they, they back down and quit uh i'm hoping you know uh, i'm expecting that a more productive offense will make them feel like they have a fighting chance you know it's hard to fight when you feel like you know, half your team has no chance of being, you know, productive. Uh, so, so hopefully Justin Fields and, and Andy Dalton, whoever is understanding, I know that you're, you're going all in on Justin Fields week one. Uh, whoever's understanding it, I'm hoping they'll be able to keep the offense moving a little bit this year to provide some inspiration for the defense. Got to inspire them. Got to give now, them something to fight for. And now on the flip side of that, when the defense is not performing, how much do you think this offense can elevate this defense and this team as a whole? Like, what do you think the cap, you know, it maybe say in, in total offense this year is for the bears ranking ranking wise. If, if all goes to plan and Justin Fields pans out and is a good QB. Number one, the best offense in the league. Screw you, Patrick Mahomes. No. Uh, what, do I, what do I really say? What do I really say? You know, we all we, we've been bitching for the last four years. If we just had an average offense, if we just had an average offense, you know, we doing that bitching game for for four years now. I'm gonna go with it. We're gonna be right there in that 14 to 17 range, and that that should be that should be fine to hang in some games and and get into playoff contention and maybe do some damage down the line. So you think is that your ceiling for the Bears offense if all goes a plan is is 14 about? No, oh no, no. Ceiling ceiling's gotta be right there, right outside the top five, in my opinion. And that's that is homerism. But I I I think that you can get uh, I think you can see a new Anthony Miller this year. I think that you can see a a, a better David Montgomery this year. I think you're going to see a more involved Darnell Mooney this year and Cole Komet. So you've got guys who have a lot of talent that just has not have not really panned out for one reason or another. Uh, more specifically, talking about Anthony Miller, uh, I think that if you get if you can if Justin Fields can get something out of those guys, 
you know, those are weapons. Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson may not be a top five receiver in this league, but he's cer certainly serviceable as a wide receiver one. If you've got uh, a wide receiver core that can kind of take it take some heat off of them, take some of the coverage off of them. I think the Bears, I think their ceiling could be right outside the top five, really, if Justin Fields is what I think he could be and what our friend Taz just told us he could be. I think the Bears offense could be right outside the top five. Yeah, uh, I mean, just I just did a quick research here, and I think a – I really think Justin Fields and the Bears' most comparable comparison uh, for their situation right now uh, less a a not as good defense is the is the 2012 Seahawks. I mean that was Russell Wilson's rookie year. He started. He made a Pro Bowl. Uh, Seahawks went 11 and five that year. They were ninth out of 32 teams in points four, and they had the number one ranked defense. So now I don't think the Bears will have the number one ranked defense. Like I said, I think kind of. Uh, probably that nine to 10 range is probably where, where you'll find them this year. Um, but I think if the bears offense has a cap of about, you know, that eight to nine range, similar to what uh, the Seahawks did when Russell Wilson started as a rookie, um, you know, he went out there, played uh, all 16 games for them. Um, and his stats are pretty good. I mean, he completed 64% of his passes. He threw for 3,100 and 18 yards, 26 TDs, 10 picks. So uh, just uh, a pretty good year. Uh, like I said, he made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. And, and I think that is a very fair comparison uh, for kind of this Bears offense and the ceiling. And uh, I think Wilson is at, honestly a fair comparison for what Justin Fields can be uh, in this league. Uh, and that is not homerism. That is a completely honest take on my part. I, I think that's his ceiling. Um, which is uh, a phenomenal ceiling, in my opinion. I think so, too. And uh, if the Bears ended up like the 2012 Seattle Seahawks, we'll, uh, we'll be dancing in the streets. We'll be, we'll be dancing down the Miracle Mile as uh, we, we celebrate the Lombardi Trophy finally coming back to Chicago. That would be, that'd be insane. Uh, well, the, the Seahawks didn't win his rookie year. I think they won his second year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're right. You're right. But still, You're but right. still, like I said, I think if he performed to that level and the Bears had a top 10 offense with Fields, I, I mean, we would be ecstatic. We would feel confident that he would bring us a Super Bowl eventually, in in all honesty, um, if that if that was his rookie Super season. Super Bears. Uh, let's not get ahead of Super ourselves. Bears, I mean, we Super still Bowl. have uh, a lot of offseason left, a lot of questions. Um for this week, though, Joe, I, there's uh, there's just not too much going on in Barrow's world. Um, you know, we got the OTAs. I think everyone's tuned into that. Uh, do you have anything else to add for 17 us? 17-0. We're not going 17-0. Don't make me throw you off the show. 17. <laughs> all right, I'm teasing. Uh, no, I think you handled all of it very well. I think you nailed it. And, if and, we, uh, and with that being said, we will wrap up. Oh, I'm having uh, – can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I can't hear you. You're disappearing. Can, can, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I, this phone service is just messing me up. This phone service is messing me up. Do you have any, I, do you have any suggestions for me? Joe, I, 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 I can't hear you. You're coming. In. But, I need some. Do you have some uh, suggest, suggestion for who I can change my phone to? 
That's right. You need uh, one call technology. One call technology can help you lower your phone bill, get you faster speeds, get you better internet connection. One call technology, uh, you can hit them up and then you can just tell them that the Believe in Monsters podcast sent you. Uh, tell them Luke sent you or Joseph sent you. Don't know who you're talking about. One call technology, great people, great service. And uh, that's just what you need, guaranteed to not, uh, you know, to bug out in the middle of an important phone call or anything, an important meeting, an important podcast, whatever you got going on. Make sure you have one call technology handle all of your technology needs. They got everything that you want over there. One call technology. And we got everything you want for bears coverage. So make sure you stick with us and follow us on the Twitter machine at monsters lounge and follow my friend, Lucas Berry at L underscore 40. And myself, I'm at Joe Gaither 6. And we have been the Believe in Monsters podcast, a part of the Lounge Room Network. And we'll talk to you next week. Bear down. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears make every play the way to the victory. Bear, Bear down, down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. With Matt Nagy's T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bear Bears. down, Justin Fields. That's and all we got. I don't know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Justin Bears. Fields, Bear, Bear down. That's right. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 